2: And welcome to Alouette's Flight Tech, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I and Tim Kepper, along with Cliffy D, the Johnny Fever to my Venus flytrap. How
0: are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fantastic.
2: Now, if anybody gets that reference, please tweet me and I'll give you a virtual high five. It's at Repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T. If you know, let me know. Please tell me you got it.
0: Oh, absolutely! <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're probably showing our age here, unfortunately. But yes, we definitely got that oh, reference. I
2: could have gone a lot farther. See, I could have gone as far back as Gunsmoke.
1: Uh, oh
0: my! <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Bye week, uh, bye week blues. Oh man, you know, maybe it's just the way that the Alouettes ended their bye week. The fact that they won and the momentum—like th- things were almost—I wouldn't say at a fever pitch, but you know, you had that good feeling. Like yes. We got the win. We're on a winning streak right now. There's things are so positive, and now you just got to sort of uh, put the brakes on. Yeah, and cone we wait.
2: Of, yeah, like we mentioned last week, cone of silence,
0: mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. we
2: don't hear squat, which yeah. we we really didn't. And it, it ramped up on Sunday. They actually got started on Sunday, and it didn't seem to be that anybody, you know, be. I you know, as I mentioned last show, I was saying, oh no, watch BJ. Kind of can't be beyond concussion protocol. He's not, which is good. Uh, it seemed like everybody was practicing, at least on Sunday, which we're going to yes. talk, which we are going to talk about a little bit more about. Um, and it's funny we are thinking of because Cliff and I were talking about this. I kind of agree with them because of how the schedule has shifted for the CFL, the rest of the CFL season for the Alouettes, and how it will work better to our advantage because of the Thanksgiving Day game, as an example. We're shifting our broad, or we're going to start doing our tapings on Wednesdays uh at same time so it will be out on thursdays or if i can get it up sooner then i'll do it sooner but uh it kind of makes sense because again then i'll give cliff and myself some extra time to do some work and maybe some news to come over the over the wire especially after i'm th- 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 doing after thanksgiving day game i, I how the guys at th- th- at uh two and out do it on sundays is beyond me especially after after the labor day uh labor day classics that we had and and, and whatnot so
0: mm-hmm. crazy <laughs> Those guys are grinding, man. Like that's uh, that's what it is. When you're part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, I mean you you do what you got to do to get the podcast out. So uh, you know we're, we're no different, really. I mean we we just figure okay, it's you're probably going to see a lot more news happening during the week. And the one thing I always am scared of doing is making a prediction or talking about something and then. Boom, two days later, something happens at practice where it's just completely wiped out. It becomes obsolete. Uh-huh. So this hopefully will give us a chance to stay a little more relevant and see what's going on during practice and how that t- ties into game day. It's, there's a lot of things to consider in this, so I, yeah. I I think this is a good move.
2: Yeah, and it's a going to be a little bit of, of a different show this week because we didn't have a game to watch or, and a game to talk about, but we will have one uh, post-interview. But uh, we were able to contact the alouettes and we're able to get a a player who has the ability to become a household name if it if his name already isn't household just because it's one of the as i mentioned in the interview one of the best sports names i've heard in a long time uh we were lucky enough to speak with al's rookie canadian running back Ryder stone and we talked to him for about about 20 minutes or so and we'll, and we'll get to that in a couple of minutes but i just want to touch on a couple of things before we get to it and then we'll uh, then we'll talk about the the upcoming upcoming game versus the uh, versus the lions um first and foremost cliff uh since since we might as well go ahead and start with it since uh it came over the wire is that it seems that we and it's something we tra- we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we heard the original news But we found out today who is going to be taking the place of Adidas as the league's official uniform and uh, apparel provider. And it's going to be a newcomer into the space of uniform providers is New Era. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Now, New Era for most who who know sports and wear caps and and, that type of thing, that's really what they're known for is New Era caps. Um, and obviously, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you know that well. They're known for their, or, uh, for their stadium name. But this is a a huge departure. You know, this is not a a company that is a part of another. You know, like uh, what it, it was. Puma. Puma was a part. Was Puma a part of of Adidas? Uh I
0: believe, Yeah, I believe so.
2: Or uh, something to some that effect. It's, it's not not that type of thing. And it's not Under Armour, which I was very surprised. I like, you know that was a a a. a, a that they were talked about a little bit because they're are another up and comer also, but it, they're going to be the ones that are going to be doing you know football jerseys for the very first time, and nice. I thought that was very interesting considering that we don't really don't know what to expect now. One thing we did find out is that next year that they won't be new jerseys. they will only be only be new jerseys in 2020, based on that what they're going to do next year and it's what they did. And I I sent you a picture because I actually have a game worn jersey here at the house where they're going to put a patch, a new era patch over the, uh, uh, any of the Adidas patches, uh, that are on the jerseys, I guess jerseys and pants, et cetera. And it will be a pseudo new era jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so makes me wonder what they're going to do, what they're going to end up doing with, uh, with replica jerseys that that's, that's interesting. Actually, that's an interesting thought. So we've reached out to somebody in the league to see if we can get some information on this and maybe be able to get a little bit more understanding. But uh, Cliff, what's 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 your thought on this? I don't know how much of a how much of a you know a guy you are when it comes to this type of thing. When it comes to uniforms and and that type of thing, but what what are your what are your initial thoughts?
0: Oh well, I'm I'm a huge uniform geek. I I watch or read Uniwatch you know, religiously on ESPN, and I'm always fascinated just on how. Uniforms, like the idea, the concepts that come behind them, and all that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the actual idea of uniforms and how they, how they translate to the sport that you're watching. Uh, the CFL is no different. I, I'm definitely intrigued to see what New Era is going to do because New Era has been a partner, so to speak, with the CFL for a number of years now. I don't know if you recall, but uh, for the past couple of years, uh, players have actually been designing hats for New Era. Yes. So that, and come out with some really amazing stuff i mean the the new era is located in buffalo and players have gone down to buffalo to the headquarters in buffalo to design cfl caps for their respective teams and some of the products that have come out have just been amazing like i think back to sj green and the caps that he created and those were just jaw-dropping like, they were just amazing like i'm not yeah. a hat guy but man some of those hats were just absolutely gorgeous uh John Bowman has also participated in this as well. Uh, Luke Brador jodin has also helped to design a hat or two. I, I mean, it's, it's a really good,
2: SJ Green did.
0: I, yeah. Like I said, these, these guys have uh, all contributed and helped make some really awesome gear. Now, the idea that New Era, primarily known for their baseball caps, are now going to be doing full-on uniforms— it's interesting. I am really curious to see how that's going to look because you talked about Under Armour and originally they were just known for their compression t-shirts, yeah. like their workout gear. Yeah. But now they've become a huge player in football uniforms. Like a lot of university uh, NCAA teams are now Under Armour sponsored by Under Armour and their gear is provided by Under Armour yep. and make some really nice stuff as well. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to look as far as them putting their sort of spin on the current CFL uniforms and whether or not teams are going to evolve with it. If they're going to try to keep as much as the original blueprint of their the jerseys they have now.
2: Like the Alouettes did with the last rebranding in
0: 2016. For example. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's I'm really curious to see how that's going to look. And if any teams are going to take that opportunity to just come up with a brand new look altogether, like Montreal has been rumored to do, I, I again i I'm, I'm really curious to see how new era is going to do this and uh, quite frankly i think it's uh it's going to be very exciting
2: oh yeah it's i mean yeah i i do i am a huge uni guy logo guy so it's I, i'm curious because the way that it reads and, and, and this is where the really you know the the explanation that i want to get because of how it read on the story over on third down nation um you know and they say quote there will be a new era patch put on the current kits but new era will use the same manufacturer as adidas so I, see that intrigues me i mean is it is that really a, is that a is that just for 2019 or does that also include 2020 and beyond because this is rumored to be a uh uh possibly four plus years you know cuz oh. you know the adidas one surprisingly only lasted three seasons so i don't know i i do we see, I mean, you have some current current uniforms in the league, which are, are they're perfect. They're perfect. You know, the yep. bom- Bombers got back to a nice one. The Argos current unis, uh, I think they're fine. I, I think just the Owls need a tweak. And I think if that was the case, if they were to tweak it enough, even if they were to, to reintroduce an updated Delta logo, as an example, you know, go with the same Delta logo that the Owls had on their white helmets, except add the blue to the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, blue to the top. I'd be happy with that. You're just some sort of tweak. It really makes me wonder because if if, you ever, if everybody remembers what the what the jerseys looked like back in I think it was twenty ten when they wore their their Delta logo jerseys, then I, I'd love to have something like that. But you know,
0: what I would like to see if if I had my way is sort of keep. I do like the idea of the Delta logo, but strictly as an alternate. Okay. But I would say like maybe wear it like four times a year, okay. Kind of thing, like, like kind of like like you said the twenty ten uniform with the like the way they had that set up. I would do that four times a year, and then for the rest, like to have like sort of a, a refreshed logo, maybe something a little more, I don't know, kind of like another evolution, if you will, of the current logo that we have. Something that would incorporate a bird, the the A, the like uh, you talked about the deconstructed A, that yes that The team is currently using right now which is their we're promotional gonna, which we'll material. We'll talk about too in a couple of minutes here. Like if they did something like that with a like a bird that sort of kind of stood out a little bit, almost like how you know how the French horn bird looks. Yes. Like just kind of like a, a very subtle look to it. If you sort of incorporate those two aspects of it and just kind of modernize it a little bit, I think that would really pop. I think that would be something that would really be interesting. It would really stand out too. As far as I'm concerned, I think that would be something that. I would be personally looking at if I were the Alouettes themselves, as far as trying to, I guess, update things because I know a lot of people really don't like the current logo because, you know, it looks the bird looks too cartoonish or you know birds don't have teeth. The why why does it have this angry teeth thing? He like a pr- white strip. The, you know, it, these things happen, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I, I and I can understand why people are not too crazy about the current logo as, as it sits. So. With that in mind, if, if New Era wants to come out with uh, help the Alouettes sort of evolve their uniform even further, I think that would be one step to take. And uh, I'd be curious to see just what they could come up with, because we, we've seen the work the New Era has done with the, the baseball caps and that. So when you get into the whole redesigning a football uniform, that's where the real test is going to be. And I think that's something that a lot of fans are really going to be interested in and curious to see just what Montreal may end up doing
2: yeah and we'll find out cuz i think i think in the CFL i think we've mentioned it before i think it's a, i think it's a minimum of 3 minimum of 3 years that you need to give the, the league in order to change your or, or modify your logos um you know I i don't know how many teams would change i mean BC, I, I kind of like BC's new look and the you know the way the helmet is but you can still keep the helmet and and just modify the jersey slightly hmm. um but you know there are some there are some iconic stuff and maybe you know that's what the owls said the last time that they, they didn't want to go away from a, a general look that they've had but uh, you know it it is what it is but we'll find out we'll find out so I mean what do you guys think I mean do, do you if you were to give some give us some ideas of what you think would you just, do, do the owls need a complete rebranding uh does it just a um, tweaks to the current uniform because uh, many of those who may not remember is that with the new current uniforms that they have is that the the current style that they wore because it, it was not, it was not available for Adidas. Adidas had to create a whole brand new template, even though it was the same template that we know, Cliff. So it's, 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 it's I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, maybe we'll, it, it's a, maybe it's a, a sign of things that then maybe there will be some, some changes to the Alouettes, uh, to the Alouettes, uh, uh uniforms in 2020, but I guess we'll have to see, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm all for iconic logos. And I think that, uh, the Alouettes, without question, have come out with some pretty iconic logos that people have really, res- is really resonated with people. And I'm thinking, as much as the temptation is to go back to the Delta logo, like, full-color Delta logo, by the way, not the uh, all-red, definitely full. If you're going to do the Delta logo, it's like you said, it has to be full-color, red, white, and blue. Yeah. But I'm of the opinion, too, is that you keep evolving, you keep growing. And I think if, I think if done right, a, a new logo that sort of incorporates a lot of the The pat, like details and little things from the past, like sort of harkens back to it, but still it looks brand new and fresh. Like the Blue Jays did, as an example, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that was again another iconic look that they got away from, and fans were sort of ambivalent to it. But then they, as you said, went back to sort of an old look, but made it look new again. Exactly. And and again, it's like I'm not a Blue Jays fan, but I mean I can appreciate that look, and I think a lot of Blue Jays fans would agree that this is probably the best move they could have made as opposed to those uh the, the black uniforms oh
2: yeah the, yeah the black and blue jays
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm so
2: yeah yeah so yeah i'm, I'm curious to see well, obviously we'll see one with the new merger. we've got a lot of new era stuff anyways that's currently available but uh maybe it'll mean there's some more stuff available so i, I don't know we'll have to find out and you know how the new era stuff will fit that's what I want to know too because you know sometimes with switching manufacturers all you do is you change how the stuff fits and you got to worry about oh well, is this stuff going to fit me I don't know yeah
0: and also uh, I've noted a few other fans uh, on Twitter were talking about that as well as how the uh how, how the fit's going to be because yeah well, like extra large for one company means a totally different thing for another so yeah there's been times where I've purchased a large jersey and I'm practically swimming in it other times it feels like a You know, extra small. So I mean, it really does depend on the company, and especially for, especially if you're one of those fans too that like to wear a jersey on top of your winter jacket, for example. You want to make sure, like, okay, it sounds big, a double XL, but as you said, if they cut it like a more of a more of an athletic cut, yeah. I mean, double XL on a pure athlete. It's still big, but not necessarily big enough that you'd wear it on top of your uh, your winter coat or anything like that. Or if you have uh, multiple layers on, going to Grey Cup, for example, and you still want to rock your jersey, which size do you buy? Because you want to, I know, make sure you, so you want to make sure everything fits, but you don't want to suffocate as well.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, that's what I'm having. I, I deal with that too because I know some, certain Nike ones will fit me a certain way. I, I've gotten used to because I do wear actually quite a bit of uh, Under Armour stuff, and I do find that it fits me differently. Uh, than say, um, than say some of the Adidas stuff. So, well, again, it's unfortunately when this day, is this day and age of buying on the internet, you're gonna have to check. You're gonna have to actually go in store. You have to go into the Alwitz boutique or try it on at the at the stadium. So, I don't know. Uh, um, speaking of logo, we knew this was coming. I think a lot of us were getting had gotten used to the Delta logo, even though it wasn't the the Delta logo that a lot of us remember and like. But the Owls did announce that they were going to be switching over, like they planned to do, uh, going to their fourth generation of, of uh, team logos, and they have gone with the uh, with the A logo with the uh, the Heisman bird, <laughs> <laughs> the Heisman bird that we know of since since the team came back in 1996. And like they had been planning, what they had been planning on, and been doing all season is they went with an all red look, except it's. It's garbage. I'm sorry. I would love to speak to the marketing department about this. And if, if, if by the way, anybody wants to come on and explain this, I'd I love to know about this because, you know, the team promoted throughout most of their, th- throughout the year and on all their merch, uh, on all their uh, stuff that they do for the team and then uh, to game and stuff like that. For the last logo, they have that deconstructed A. You know, it's just the A itself with the outline and it's all in red. It's, it's, what, uh, it's on the shirt that they're currently selling at the uh, over at the boutique. That would look fine. That would look fine on the helmet. I think it would actually give it a chance. Uh, maybe we'll be surprised this Friday. Fingers aren't being crossed, but um, they've gone ahead and gone with a. How do you describe it, Cliff? Uh, uh, the current logo with uh, outlined in, in an, uh, outlined in red. That that that's it. Is that the best way to describe it? Because to me, it's to me, it's a, it looks so cheap looking.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what, what it is. If you were you pretty much hit the nail on the head, it's it's the Alouette's logo from last year a helmet, but basically all in red on a white helmet. And uh yeah, it looks incomplete it does, to say yeah. the least.
2: Yeah, and I can only imagine what it's gonna look like on television. And trying to see it in the in stadium. Oh man.
0: Which we're gonna be able to do this Friday, yeah. so uh I'll, I'll be honest, like just seeing the photo of it, uh, online, I'm, I, I'm left wanting more. I guess that's be the most yeah. polite way to describe it. I, I just think it's, uh, it, it just doesn't say anything to me. It's, it's soulless once again. Like I thought the red Delta was soulless this too. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. I mean, every, after what we saw with the, the winged helmet in June, uh, the french horn in july like those looked okay like not great but okay like well the the first one looked great because it's like, a, a real classic yeah yeah the french horn I was kind of I would have liked to see it updated a little bit but okay I mean it wasn't it wasn't terrible but the delta logo pff, all in red but just it didn't really do anything for me and now seeing the current alouette's logo just like a like basically Uh, again, a shell of its former self. And it's just like, I think it's it's like,
2: uh, what are we supposed to do with this? Is it color by numbers?
0: Yeah. I I wonder if that's the idea, is that you're supposed to color in the... uh, Make sure you don't go outside the lines. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah. I hope they'll surprise us, but from the looks of it, it it isn't. So it looks like the pictures that we got from LBJ from his uh, Bella Direct commercials uh, that that we saw last week, I think we mentioned last week, is true. So I'm not looking forward to it at, at all um yeah it's it's just i said i think if you market a certain logo like you did on all the season ticket merchandise and stuff like that stick with it go go with the go with that logo Uh you know so i don't know that's we were i'm sure as i said we will we'll be able to give our 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 opinions once we actually do or or don't see don't see it on friday so yeah um lastly before we get to the uh, to the interview with Al's uh, running back Ryder Stone uh the Al's fan train was announced Cliff um it's the one the game for uh in Toronto on the 20th of October mm-hmm. and you can contact the Alowitz now and get your tickets if you want to go uh, this will be the 18th uh fan train in team history uh, first time uh, it's been run, I think, in two years uh, since uh, 2014. 2014, so first time since 2014 that that it will be, uh, it will have, uh, that it will have been run. Um, 200 bucks gets you with the gets you up and back, and I think it includes a meal, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, contact the alouettes if you are interested. And uh, funny. Fact and something that you and I did not know, as far as I know, we had never talked about it before. It just slipped our our aging minds. Is that uh, both of us happened to go on the very first fan train, the inaugural one, back in nineteen ninety
0: eight? That is correct. We uh, we it's so funny, I, we didn't know each other back then. We didn't. It just because again, folks, social media was not a thing back in. To, uh, 1998, uh, and yeah. It, it, <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I was just happy just to go watch a, a football game. I didn't take note of who all was there and all that, but it's it's really funny to know that uh, almost uh, 20 years later, and uh, here you and I are doing this podcast, talking about fan trains and all sorts of things, alouettes And yeah, we were both there at that game. That's pretty funny. That's pretty. Do you funny. remember? Do you remember the final score? Yeah, look, 31-31. <laughs> Incredible.
2: And I know why, because one other thing that stuck out, because it was the first time that I'd been to Ivor Wynn, old Ivor Wynn, and I swear, I think we have talked about this before, is that the uprights at Ivor Wynn, I swear were not, uh, they were not up to specs as they should be. I swear they were shorter. I swear. If you go back and you watch watch video from that, I could swear.
0: That's what it was.
2: But yeah, uh, nothing like going to the very first one and seeing a tie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that was worth getting up at the at the crack of dawn.
2: Oh, that, that I remember. At least at least this train's leaving at nine o'clock, and the game's at four. That's I guess that's a, that's a positive. So
0: yeah, that's a, a little more reasonable. Yeah, exactly. So as we mentioned, uh,
2: yeah, so as we at the top of the show, we were able to speak with Ryder Stone, uh, find out how he how his uh, career started, where he played, and and what he what his opinions are of the current. Uh, alowitz team and how it is in the locker room um so when we finish the conversation we will talk about the upcoming game on friday versus the bc lions hey and with us this week uh we want to talk with one of the one of the players that has uh, really been a, a a big help when it comes to the running game as of late and to, just to the overall offense in general um with us is rookie running back ryder stone thanks for joining us ryder
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
2: First, got to say, Ryder Stone. That is probably one of the best CFL names I have heard in a long, long time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty lucky for that one. Yeah, I can only
2: imagine how many times you've also heard that. <laughs> once or twice, you know? Yeah, just <laughs> once or twice only. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, so, you are uh, a Canadian running back, was just drafted this past year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you are starting now with the Montreal Alouettes. Um, first, uh, what is it, what is it like being a rookie running back starting, uh, in a press and professional football?
1: I mean, obviously it's exciting. You don't, uh, you don't always have opportunities come to you that quickly. And so it's been, it's been exciting to be able to kind of have the chance to contribute early and. Um, I mean, coming out of four years at Dartmouth, obviously, I was able to contribute there. But going up to the next level, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect. So, I mean, I've been really excited with the opportunities I've had so far.
2: So you are a a proud native of Calgary, Alberta. Uh, You finished your career with Dartmouth at uh, 1,502 uh, career rushing yards. Um, 22 touchdowns, and you did uh, quite well when it came to kick returns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for I gotta ask, how does a you know how does a guy from Calgary end up playing at an Ivy League school at Dartmouth?
1: Um, a very roundabout way. I mean, so I, I did my high school in Calgary, in Okotoks, Alberta, just a small town outside of Calgary, mm-hmm. and I uh, went. Went and graduated there, and then I actually went to prep school for a year in the States. A friend of mine uh, had told me about pre- prep school because uh, he knew I was trying to play at the Division One level. And so um, he encouraged me to apply with him. They, he also wanted to go down to the school, and um, I ended up having the grades to get in, and they were excited to have me there, so I went and did a, a full year there. So it's almost like the equivalent of a, a grade 13, if you will. Um, and it was just a chance to kind of gain some exposure. And from that, that's where I got recruited to play at Dartmouth. And I mean, as a kid, it was always kind of my – it was one of my ambitions and goals to be able to play at Ivy League school. It was just something I, I had in the back of my mind as a kid, but I never actually thought it would happen. So when the chance actually arose, it was pretty amazing.
2: Uh, uh, prep schools uh, there in the U.S., are they considered they're – not, they're not junior colleges, are they? They're not like, – because I know in Quebec, as you no. may or may not know, they're like – we have Sageps here which go from yeah. grades 11 and 12. I know it's different in Ontario, it's different in, in a lot of the other provinces, but you're saying it's, it's not like a junior college?
1: No, it's still it's a boarding school, basically. Oh. And it's, it's a normal high school. The only thing is that they offer a post-grad year. So it's just another opportunity. Um, some people use it for academic reasons, others for athletics. And so mine was more athletics. I always had the grades, but just didn't quite have the exposure. So okay. that was it's a great opportunity in that way. Now, when you played
2: high, when you played football in high school in in Alberta, did you guys play? Because a lot many fans may not know, did you play three downs or four downs?
1: Yeah, we played three down. I played Canadian football all of high school. Okay,
2: and how was it getting used to playing? Because uh, I imagine that at prep school and then going into Dartmouth, you ended up playing four down football. How was it making the transition from <laughs> three down to four down football?
1: Um, I mean, the biggest transition was just remembering not to move in the backfield. As my my biggest fear was having a false start, so <laughs> I <laughs> took pretty big uh, care to not have that. And so it was always in the back of my mind. I mean, once you take the motion out of it, it uh, makes it a, a little different. And I actually noticed that going into this year, um, a couple of the running backs were making fun of me, but I would stand like a statue in the backfield. I think all the American running backs, it because you forget that you can kind of loosen up and walk around right. and kind of – change up your motion and that kind of thing and so every every play you just see me just perfectly still afraid to move for probably the first week of camp <laughs>
0: <laughs> so literally like a stone i'm sorry i couldn't resist
2: oh man Cliff! <laughs> <laughs> i think that's one of the few times i actually want
0: to edit you out
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i said i saw the opening i had to take know, it i'm not a Ryder. writer i you knew yeah. i had to take
1: it yeah oh yeah yeah Hey, the puns are too good with the last name like that. Yeah.
2: I know I have a couple of questions too.
0: Uh, so talk to us about the Dartmouth experience. Cause I also know that you were also recruited at, uh, uh, what was it? A couple of the other, uh, Ivy league schools. Uh, what was it about Dartmouth that stood out to you in your, uh, your time there?
1: Um, honestly it was coach Stevens, it was the head coach there. He, he's an incredible guy. I mean, I loved playing for him for my four years there and, uh, just the things that they're doing there, they take care of their players and they encourage both a strong academic balance with their athletics, obviously, as most Ivy Leagues do. But um, for me, it just really felt like home when I went out and visited there. I'm kind of from the country a little bit and uh, Dartmouth is out in the woods. And so that aspect of it in a small college town feel like I fell in love with it. And So it was a pretty easy decision for me because I had everything I wanted.
0: Uh-huh. And you never unfortunately got a chance to really experience the whole bowl atmosphere as far as uh, like -hmm. college football playoffs and all that go but do you feel that you still got the most out of your your college experience as far as playing football goes?
1: Oh absolutely I mean we my sophomore year we uh, had part of the Ivy League title and we had some incredible games my senior year and it was just as exciting I mean obviously every kid dreams about playing in a bowl game but um, for me it wasn't wasn't the same opportunity but like, the football that I did play
0: in the Ivy League, I loved it. All right. And what did you end up, uh, what's your major? What was your major in uh, at Dartmouth?
1: I was an environmental studies major with a focus on
0: economics and policy. Wow. Uh, Definitely a smart guy then. Yeah. That's yeah. excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now, you, you finished up your career at Dartmouth. Um, did you have future plans where you wanted to play whether professionally whether it be in the CFL, NFL and the Arena League did anything come to mind at first uh, when you thought about playing professional football?
1: Yeah I mean I had pro aspirations early on in my college career it was always something I kind of had my eyes on so I actually set up my um, academic plan there to graduate early so that I would be able to train for combines in uh, my pro day so I actually graduated two times early from Dartmouth so that I could train for um the com or the cfl combine and our pro day so it was always kind of in the back of my mind so i had planned for it
2: well well graduating early i just have to go back a little bit here how did that how did that affect your 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 playing and your time that you have to to study and to be a you know to be a college student because you must have been taking a lot more courses than than the normal player would have right
1: um, not actually, surprisingly, I didn't take too many more courses. The thing is that I just never left the school. Oh, okay. uh, Dartmouth has a pretty unique, yeah. okay. <laughs> they, they have a, a quarter system. So fall, winter, spring, and summer, mm-hmm. and most people take the summers off, but I stayed on every summer and winter as well. So okay. I just never left.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, was always taking classes there. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I, I worked for most of my time there. So time management, I got pretty good at that early on.
2: So you oh. hear that you have uh, – you, you have a, I don't remember where you were ranked within, within the rankings of the CFL you know rankings for, for Canadian players who are eligible for mm-hmm. the draft. But uh, you find out that you are uh, coveted uh, within the CFL, and mm-hmm. then you get to, get to draft day, and then you get that call from the Alouettes. Now, I don't know. Did you – being a Calgarian – did you hope that you were going to be drafted by another particular team in the West, or did it didn't really matter where you were going to start your your uh, your pro career?
1: Um, for me, honestly, it really didn't matter. I mean, I had always watched the stamps growing up. and uh, I mean, obviously, I liked them and went to all the games. but I, I had I had a funny feeling that it was going to be between these two teams. And I mean, sure enough, I think the Alouettes actually traded up and they had the pick just before the stamps. So who was known? What happened? Uh, otherwise, but no, I mean, and it's been an incredible opportunity here, and I've loved Montreal, so it's I couldn't be happier with it.
0: Uh-huh. Now, talk to us about uh, arriving at training camp. Uh, you're obviously not going to be the only running back, and of course, uh, unseating a, a legend, if you will, uh, like uh, Tyrell Sutton, <laughs> is certainly easier said than done. But uh, talk to us about <laughs> uh, the experience of training camp and just being part of that rookie or that rookie class and also part of the running back uh, core?
1: I mean, <laughs> for me, coming into training camp was a little bit intimidating, to be honest. I think uh, what really threw me off is I got in there, and there was about 10 or 12 guys all vying for the same position, and I was going against former Heisman candidates, and that was something that just kind of blew my mind initially. And um, so I, at the first couple days, you know, you get just the wide eyes, but eventually I settled down and realized it was just football and the there's a good group of guys. So it was pretty easy to work with. And I just stuck my nose in the playbook and tried to pick that up as fast as possible.
0: And that's kind of what gave me the chance to um, play early on. Did you find you get, got a fair bit of mentoring from the veterans, including Tyrell Sutton, or was it more of the, the rookies sort of band together and you're all trying to help each other out or a bit of both?
1: Um, a bit of both. I mean, uh, the vets, are, they're honestly extremely helpful. They, I mean Sutton and Lowe both and and Pat Lavalle, they're great guys. They're always there to help you and always there to kinda teach you and they ask or they answer any questions you have. So in that sense it was great to have them as mentors. And I mean I still I mean every day in the meeting room Sutty gets on our case, uh, every time we take a misstep or something like that. So it's nice to have them in the in the meeting room. They're great guys. All right. Tim? Uh, Ryder, what was it like
2: joining the coaching staff? It's a new coaching staff this year in Montreal. Obviously, you're you're coming, you know, from from college. It's your first year as a pro, as a pro player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being there with a guy who was, you know, the, the OC in Kyrie Jones, and also a new to the game himself in uh, head coach with Coach Sherman. Um, what was your mm-hmm. first impression of of how camp was run and uh, and uh, how it's it's gone from from there?
1: I mean, for me, it was just a learning experience. It was great to, cause, I mean, I had heard of all the big names that were coming in. And what was nice is I think everybody was kind of on a level playing field in the sense that it was basically a new team, a whole new coaching staff, new players from everywhere. And so everybody kind of banded together early on because nothing was truly established yet in the sense of just the daily routine and how things worked. And, um, I think the coaches really worked well with us in that sense. And, they kind of sorted their way out through it early on to help us practice the best way possible so it's it's been a great experience with them and having that wisdom now
0: what now you finally make the team and you're pretty much asked right away to help out on special teams as far as uh, kick returns go was that something mm-hmm. that you were looking forward to or was it uh, would you would you preferred more just to stick with the actual running back part of things or Talk us through that. Like what uh, what really stood out for you like your first couple of games at the C F L. Yeah. I mean, I
1: I personally love special teams. It's something that I've kind of always enjoyed, but um during university I never really had the full opportunity to play on all four phases. I I had always done kickoff return, but um didn't spend too much time on the other ones just because they typically kept our running backs out, so it was a it was a steep learning curve initially but um i knew going into the cfl that especially your rookie year that's usually where you're going to make your main contributions and i was fully prepared to do that and uh, coach donovan he's he's a great guy as well he's kind of the special teams guys that band together pretty well and they all work together and so it's been great working with all those guys as well and i think um it's been it's it's been great trying because uh, I hadn't, honestly, I probably hadn't tackled since prep school. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so that was one of my biggest challenges. It was great, great having all the defensive guys. Um, they stepped in and kind of helped me with technique and everything. So it was, it was a steep learning curve there.
2: Well, I'm sure it was a, a change too, because you know, especially with the new rules that were set in place by the league and by the CFLPA, it's different now. I want to, what's it? What was your 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 take? when it came to learning that you know pads at practice i mean was it a total shock or or what was your your view of it
1: uh really for me it wasn't a shock at all i think the the way that we practiced at rms was um very pro style so i mean we really we would thud with uh shoulder pads every now and then but like the first two days of the week but then the last two would be without Mm -hmm. and so i was already kind of used to practicing that way and um I guess yeah. I didn't. I didn't fully realize until about halfway through the season that uh, no pads was new for everyone. So it was kind of funny. But um, I haven't seen the mind at all. And it's a great chance. You just work on your
0: technique more than anything, mm-hmm. and you avoid those collisions until game time. Now your first CFL touchdown against the Edmonton Eskimos. Mm-hmm. What are you? What's what's the feeling? Because I know it was not the greatest game, and again, it uh, you're, you're playing a tough team like Edmonton. Things don't always go the way you'd like it to go. But uh, take us through that. Take us through the emotions of being able to finally score your first touchdown in the CFL.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was ecstatic. It was it was awesome. Simply put, I mean, um, I knew I, was, I had a chance of going in. Uh, Stambeck had it been a long drive for him, and so he was a little winded. And Coach uh, course, Duke gave me the go ahead to jump in and um got in the huddle and listened to the play call and realized it was going to me and kind of kind of had a funny look in my eye and the quarterback looked at me he's like yeah you're getting the ball so <laughs> 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 I'm like, well i guess i better score than we're on the five yard line so i didn't have much of a choice because the way i looked at it and so i mean crossing that goal line was a great feeling
2: uh, did you you kept the ball
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was so excited at first. I dropped it when I was celebrating, and I, the first thought was, "Oh, I got to go on kickoff now." So I didn't even think about it. But uh, luckily, the running backs went over and grabbed it for me, and so they had it in my locker um, after the game, which was pretty great.
2: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've only you know I've only seen when it comes to players when they, I think it's one of the things that as fans like Cliff and myself look for when a player scores their first professional touchdown. It, it's always do they grab the ball. Uh, where do, what do they do with it? You know, do they do, do they have a touchdown dance or, or a touchdown celebration, whatever they do. But yeah, I, I can only imagine what it's like. I mean, is that now it sounds like it's not your first, first football. Does that make any sense? You're, you, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, how many different <laughs> yeah. souvenirs do you have from your football career?
1: <laughs> There's a couple boxes that I had to bring with me from Dartmouth. But, okay. <laughs> um, I think everybody <laughs> <laughs> brings those with them after a while. I think, uh, the problem was we had blocks of wood for like, uh, you know, like a block of the week. Like O-line coach thought it was funny. So it was literally like a, a little foot long piece of four by eight. So okay. <laughs> I just have a couple of these just giant pieces of wood that I lug around in these boxes and I need to send them home to my mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well,
0: That's not bad because I, I know that uh, I don't know if you saw this or, or not, but uh, there's this high school coach uh, in, in the States that... Every time the uh, the linemen do pancake blocks, they give them shots of maple syrup. So, yeah.
1: nice.
0: so as far as uh, it. as far as like interesting football traditions and things like that go, uh, that's up there. So, blocks of wood doesn't seem so weird to be no, honest with no, you. It no, it doesn't. No,
2: yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so, you know, it, you are you end up going with, with study getting hurt and then Stammet getting hurt. You basically you go up the depth chart quite quickly. And you start your mm-hmm. your first AFL game last uh, last game, and you had probably one of the better outings for a, an Arowhite's running back on the season. Uh, what was your what was your your first thought when you heard that you were going to be uh, starting uh, last game?
1: Um, I mean, for me, it was just uh, it was exciting. You know, my first thought was I, I, I was ecstatic. I mean, I know I said that about my touchdown, but it's, yeah. it's the same kind of feeling. It's it's something that you wait for and. And when the opportunity arises, it's your your chance to kind of make a difference. And I knew we were coming off the one-game win streak, and I just wanted to be able to do everything I could to help the team kind of make that a two-game, which we did. And it was great to have that opportunity. But I think the biggest thing that happened in that game is we played as a full team, and some of the drives we put together as an offense were incredible. I mean, Pipkin moved the ball really well, and the receivers were on point the whole game. So it made my job really easy. Mm-hmm. Well, you
2: got to give yourself some credit too, because Cliff and I were texting back and forth during the game, and your first your first official rush out of the game at, as a starter, you go off for like I think it was like fifteen or twenty yards, and we're Cliff and Cliff and I just send emojis back to each other, just with one of those shaking heads, and we're like, "Yeah, we're okay. I think we're okay." So, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, how about? Uh, yeah, no, that was that
1: was really good to get out of the way. It was the first big run. <laughs> it was. I settled down pretty quick after that. I was like, "All right, that's just football. That's that's a." that always goes through my head when stuff like that happens just okay just keep playing like you always have
0: and, and the one thing that came across to me after a couple of those incredible rushes was okay if people didn't know who Ryder stone was before they sure as hell know who he is now because you stood right out and you made it work man
1: i appreciate it now
0: now what go ahead, go sorry ahead. what about uh again Yellow West uh, posted the video of uh, coach sherman's post-game talk and obviously made the rounds because it was pretty hilarious. What about the comment yeah. of, uh, this young man should be probably bagging my groceries. Now, how do you take a comment like that? I'm sure it was meant, I'm sure it was meant to be good, but like, I, I heard that, like, wait, what? Hold on here. What's this about? You know, I wasn't
1: quite, quite sure what to think about that right away. It was, it was pretty funny though. I mean, the guys giving me a hard time about it still, but you know, I, like to think I'd be doing more with my degree than uh, bagging groceries, but hey, you never know.
2: <laughs> I about to say, you know, one of the one of the bigger names that we know in <laughs> football, rider did just that in in Kurt Warner. So, anything's possible when it comes to football, right? But as I yeah. said, you you have your degree now. I don't think you want it to go to waste when when once you do finish up football.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, that's that's one of the few jobs I think I've never had. So I, I did get a pretty good laugh at it, though.
0: <laughs> it was it was funny. Just, uh. Now, talk to um, us about being in Montreal. Like, obviously, you're a Calgary kid, and you've obviously gotten to see the Ivy League life. Now, what are you? What are your impressions of Montreal? Now that you're here, more or less full time, what's your impression of Montreal, the city itself?
1: Uh, it's an exciting city. It always seems like there's something going on. I think, uh, you know, do a couple of the touristy things when I first got here, and you just walk around Place des Arts, and there's always some type of festival or, you know concert there was a jazz fest going on earlier in the summer and i just felt like it's a city that just they always have some sort of awesome event going on and the food here i think is one of the biggest things that i've loved so far it's uh i'm living in a good area where it seems like there's a new restaurant opening up every other week that i haven't tried yet so you know (laughs) i've loved the city so far in that aspect for sure now with all the as you're saying with all
2: the food is it hard to keep if you have a specific diet as being a football player is it hard to keep on it or you're like ah oh, it's a binge day
1: <laughs> I mean luckily most of the restaurants here they're all uh, pretty healthy and I mean it hasn't been too tricky at all they always have some kind of option if you know you got to keep it on a pretty strict diet but you know every now and then it's good to uh, splurge a little bit
2: Yeah now obviously you from being uh, you know being in Canada you're you're you've been accustomed to most of the food that we that is served across the country but i don't know Mm -hmm. had you had real poutine before you came but i had you had you heard about it and when was the first time that you actually tried it because i'm calgary poutine i'm sorry cliff and i will both agree on this one it's not the same (laughs) as quebec poutine yeah
1: i well i had it when i was a little kid actually i had driven up uh with my mom all the way up to my, or er, to Quebec for a little bit. We drove through Quebec to uh, Ontario. And, uh, the first thing we did when we got in the area was stuff for poutine. So that's, I, it had always been in the back of my mind. And then i had actually visited uh, a couple of friends from my Mon- er, in Montreal a couple of years ago. It's not too far from Dartmouth. And, you know, I had to, had to get my fix then too. Yeah. <laughs> So
2: it sounds like you're you're giving it a thumbs up because you know many of the players that we've talked to they're either on the fence, don't like it, or like it. So it sounds like you're 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 one of those players that that do like uh, d- you don't mind a, a Putin once, ever, ever, you know, ever often.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did, Yeah, they, I think they they had a poutine fest uh, a few weeks ago, and I was definitely all about that. So I'm, I'm a big uh, poutine fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, you're right. They did. I forgot about that one. Yeah.
0: There you go. Go ahead, Cliff. All right. Uh, well, Ryder, we won't keep you too much longer, but uh, what would you like people to know most about Ryder Stone? <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I, I think uh, just that I hope to be uh, in Montreal for a while and continue to help the team out in any way I can. I mean, hopefully this is just the start of something bigger to come.
0: All right. And now again, like, obviously Montreal sitting at three and eight, it's not exactly the most ideal situation, but overall I do find like, especially over the past couple of games that the energy has definitely shifted into a more positive direction. Do you think that you guys are now really truly on the right track or are we missing a couple of things still? Like what, what are your thoughts on just the direction of where things are going right now?
1: I do think we're on the right tracks and I think we we've been on the right tracks. Um, I mean, obviously our record hasn't shown that, but, uh, just the way that the guys have worked and stuck together the whole way, you could tell that we are climbing. And uh, it's nice to see that we're finally getting the reward that comes from that. And I think uh, the coaches always preach the same message too. It's that, you know, um, we stuck together through the tough times and we've been working to build this and it's finally starting to take off. So carry that momentum and that energy and keep getting wins. And I think that's the mentality mentality that we have now. And hopefully we carry that through for the rest of the season. I'm sure we will
2: and that's what and that's what Cliff and I have been hearing all year from when we when we been talking with the players it's it's you know it's as fans writer we don't always see everything you know fans can be Monday morning mm-hmm. quarterbacks all the time and i'm sure it's so it's yeah. not seeing what it is from the inside you know sometimes we'll have comments where they're just totally not right so it's it's good to hear that Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, good to hear this from from a player within the organization saying that it seems that everything seems to be on the right track. So it's as as Alouette fans, uh, you, you should be happy. You should be happy to hear this. So yeah. um, if anybody if uh, if anybody wanted to follow you, right? I mean, are you on social media? Or do you do you do that type of thing, or it or it's just oh, a yeah. matter of what? How, how can they follow you? So-
1: Luckily, I have a pretty unique name, so not too many of my uh, handles are ever taken, so it's just Ryder Stone, at Ryder Stone. Uh, I I use Instagram mostly, but that's about it. Well, Ryder, we we really
2: appreciate your time, we know, especially with your your busy schedule. Um, We look forward to seeing you in the backfield this week, whether it be in a starting capacity or whether it be in another capacity, but... uh, Uh, good luck to you for the rest of the season and uh, when Cliff and I get the chance to to meet you it'll be a pleasure to shake your hand
1: well thank you guys and uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with me hope to speak to you again soon Uh, I gotta give a hat tip to Cliff
2: for getting this set up it was uh, it was a good interview Uh, you know very well spoken for a rookie Uh, I mean the guy's guy's half my age (laughs) (laughs) man I'm feeling old now
0: uh, yeah, he, he's a youngin, but uh, and as we talked about, maybe he should be bagging groceries.
2: <laughs> See, I missed that completely. By the way, I, I saw that you know we we ran the video, uh, we ran the, the audio of the of the post game video with Coach Sherman, and I I watched it through. I guess I completely missed that. I did not understand who. I guess I didn't get, get the reference, and then when you mentioned it before, it's like ah, that's what it was about.
0: <laughs> no, Ryder. Uh, again, I, I, I laugh. The way he just took it in stride it was, mm-hmm. is absolutely awesome. Speaks to the, the character of this young man, and uh, uh, we're absolutely thrilled uh, he was able to join us. And he, just like everybody else who joins us on the flight deck, he's more than welcome to come back anytime. And, uh, folks, definitely, definitely, if you're not on the Rider Stone bandwagon, there's lots of room. I'd suggest hopping on right now.
2: I wouldn't mind having a one two punch like. Hell, any of the the three running backs that we currently have having a 1-2-3 punch, I don't mind at all. At all. All right, my friend. We got BC coming in this Friday. This is the last Friday game for the Alouettes of the season. We head off to our... uh, Actually, a week later than normal for our post-Labor Day games. Um, But still, nonetheless, it is football. It's on our Friday night. And even though it is the... It is the second week in September. It looks like it is going to be a gorgeous night. <laughs> Highs in the mid to high 20s at kickoff.
0: I am all for that. I am as much as I love this time of year because it really means football almost 24-7. It also means that that sad reality that things are about to start getting a little cooler. And that means jacket weather. And that sucks because summer just never seems long enough. But the fact that this 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 Friday is going to be nice and warm still, that makes me happy. I it gives me hope. So I'm I'm very happy and very excited once again to be going to Percival Molson Stadium and seeing a team who has actually strung together a winning streak. This cannot be overstated. This the Alouettes team is currently on a two-game winning streak, and all the pieces are in place to hopefully get that winning streak extended to three. That would be if if they could do that. That would be fantastic.
2: No, yeah. By the way, I think it's very funny how Coach Sherman was putting it, putting it in the paper today, the story with Herb Zerkowski, is that the team, the team hasn't, is not on a, he says, we're going to look at the, at the winning streaks later in the year. You know, we, we are, we are going to call it, we've won two games. And I found that very interesting. I actually, I, I wanted to remind him, it's like, uh, coach, we've actually won more than two games, but I understood what he was getting at. I understood what he was getting at. Uh... This is a BC team, Cliff. That's coming into town. That has not won a game on the road yet this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming into a place that is usually not that they that you know the Lions really haven't done that well at Percival Molson. But just in the past few years, uh, you know, it seems like anybody, <laughs> anybody, and everybody who, who comes into Montreal is 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 able to win here. But um, you know. They're coming off of a wow, a, a pretty big win versus Ottawa. It helps us, by the way. Either way, mm. it helped us. Uh, what um, what are you looking for when it comes to the game this week? And then we already know who's going to be the the starting quarterback based off of the current uh, situation for uh, what? What did you call him earlier today? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, for Johnny Mancold. Yeah, yeah
2: Johnny Mancold. <laughs> yeah, for Johnny Mancold, we know he may not even be a he may not even be dressing. And that concerns me considering that we would only have, uh, you know, two pivots under center. I don't know who would be our third stringer if God forbid, if something happened to Schiltz and to Pipkin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, what's, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on this game for this week?
0: Well, uh, as far as BC coming in, they're definitely an opponent You just, you cannot take lightly, even though, as you said, they have not won on the road at all this season. Uh, Again, that's another sort of dubious streak that could very well come to an end. Uh, I think the big thing to, to really watch for is just the play of Travis Lulay. I mean, he has he has made me eat my words because I was convinced yeah. after he tore his ACL last year against the Alouettes in BC. I thought this guy's done, and people are asking like, if you know Montreal needs a quarterback, wouldn't you want to get Travis Lulay? I'm like, maybe it's a quarterback coach. I, I just think his playing career is done because. At his age, uh, I mean, he's not an old man by any stretch, but, I mean, he's definitely a veteran of this league, and I, I just figure as far as recovery goes and ACLs are just nothing, you know, you can't slough that off. Like, this is a, a serious injury. I really thought there's just no way he's going to come back and be even, like, half of what he was before. But, man, he's he's shutting me up because he has played very well these past few weeks i mean it hasn't been perfect but i mean it's he's definitely played and proven himself as leader of this team which is also interesting because you've got jonathan jennings that's been in a backup role yeah and he was supposed to be the future and everybody thought okay this is this is going to be his time to shine and he didn't do that the fact that lully had to come back and basically take over this team as leader again it's very telling uh I, i know that uh Wally Bono really thought that this was going to be the move to make was to make Jennings the star. And it just hasn't quite panned out that way. So now we've got a now you got to focus on Travis Lully. And again, when Travis Lully is on his game, there really are very few that are better than him. I wouldn't necessarily call him an elite quarterback, but he definitely is someone who is dangerous and has in the past played very well against Montreal.
2: Yeah. Um, BC comes in. Sorry, uh, right, BC comes into town. I said um, uh, they have uh, Montreal has won the last six of ten in this series, but BC has won three straight. Um, I know one of the things that the the league really touts is um, when it comes to when it comes to records for coming off of a bye weekend, isn't 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 uh, Calgary? I think Calgary's like undefeated, if I'm not mistaken, when it comes to coming off. Or very close to being undefeated when it came to, it comes to the next game after a bye week. Um, if I remember correctly. Uh the, the Owls, uh, not so not so much. Um yeah. <laughs> uh the Owls are fourteen and twelve when they come off of a bye week. Um uh losing their last two and it looks like basically yeah, the other split split their last split their last ten basically. Um What about uh, running backs this week, Cliff? Uh, We have seen early on from what the news has told us that it looks like William Stanbeck will be the starting running back uh, with Ryder Stone being relegated to a backup role of some sort, whether it be special teams, kick returns, whatever, whatever. Uh, And doesn't. it's funny. There's no real mention of Terrell Sutton's status. So Mm – uh, it makes me wonder if he's going to can stay on the on this on the one another one game and we'll go from there. But uh, um, well, what's your what's your thought of the revolving door, so to speak, with the uh, running backs this week?
0: Well, I'm definitely glad to see that William Standback is, re- is going to be returning because he definitely has been at force and definitely has proven himself to be a very capable player. Uh, along with Ryder Stone, of course. Uh, And I'm not just pumping his tires because he was on the show, but uh, he definitely has proven himself to be a very nice addition for the Alouettes. Uh, As long as you've got those two guys in the backfield, and even if they got to trade reps back and forth, I'm all for that too because it also means that the ground game is starting to take shape. It's starting to be noticed because as as good as Antonio Pipkin has been at moving the ball, whether it's with his own feet or by finding his receivers – he cannot overlook the importance of the run game, and we saw—I was going to say last week—but we saw the last game versus Ottawa. Like they did a great job moving the chains with Ryder Stone and with William Stanback back returning to action.
2: Yeah,
0: if you get those those two guys going, I mean they've got the speed, they got the power, they could definitely move the chains if you give them a chance. So I mean, if, if for whatever reason if uh, Pipkin's not able to connect with those receivers. There's no shame in running the ball, quite frankly. And I I definitely think with those two running the ball for the Alouettes, I mean, I'll I'll never say Suddy who or, you know, who who needs Suddy? Because we definitely miss Tyrell Sutton. We definitely miss his presence and his leadership on the field. But you got two young studs in the backfield that are raring to go and can make an impact and have done so all season long for the most part, not just as running backs, but also as both of them as returners. Yeah. And don't be surprised if we see one or both of them, also returning kicks along with Stefan Logan. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like these are guys that you have to get involved, especially against BC because uh, I, special teams with uh, with the Lions always is going to be dangerous. We know Chris Rainey is going to be back. He, he was uh, uh, benched for one game. I guess sort of to wake him up or change his attitude or whatnot. I don't remember exactly how they phrased it, but uh, he's going to be coming in pretty hot. And Alouette's fans know exactly just how dangerous he can be because he was once ours uh, once upon a time. And I'm sure he's also looking forward to having a chance to once again show the Alouettes that they made a a mistake in choosing Stefan Logan over him.
2: Right.
0: So I I, I can't say enough how important special teams is going to be against the BC Lions. I think it's something that... uh, just simply cannot be overlooked and as long as we got guys like stefan logan william stanback and Ryder stone one any combination of those guys returning kicks on punts and returns i think alouette fans can breathe a sigh of relief and know that uh, this coming friday is going to be a very competitive match for sure
2: I, I think so too um one of the few things that we've been laughing about over the past couple of weeks or just uh, jaw dropping is is the line for the game uh five dimes this week cliff it's uh i'm pretty pretty on board with this one um I'm, they have bc favored by three points it opened up at three and a half it's now at three uh with the over under of 49 um yeah for, for me i'm like okay that's that's fine i mean uh, but i'm very surprised that it is a minus three but i guess they're going best over the past history on 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 how the alouettes have played at home etc etc but uh again who knows who knows how they come up with these lines but still it's it's pretty i think it's it's, it's pretty close i would not be surprised if this thing is uh gets closer to a pick by by the by kickoff on friday
0: i agree because yeah montreal is definitely trending up uh, or at least they have been I, I have to wonder though if that bye week may end up kind of hurting the team a little bit just because they had that momentum they had that positive yeah
2: yeah you never, feeling. You never like to see that but i agree
0: whereas bc has uh they too, they've been kind of hot and cold throughout the season, but uh, they too, they they had a great win against Ottawa last week, and uh, they too have to be, uh, they're they're feeling their oats too, and they they're also too in a position where they have to, if they want even hope, have any sort of hope of making the playoffs, they're going to have to really make that push, and it has to start for both teams essentially on Friday. So it does. You, you talk about must win, like they say that the, the CFL season doesn't start until after Labor Day. Well, guess what? We're after Labor Day, so <laughs> CFL season, things are starting to heat up big time. And again, a month ago, would we have been, even be able to talk about the Alouettes being in a playoff position and not get laughed out of the building? I don't think so. But no,
2: and the funny thing is that the, with the way that the what currently that Winnipeg is and that they're playing, uh, it is very possible that the East may able to, the uh, third place team may actually be able to stay in the playoffs this year.
0: It, it's true. I, I mean, right now... Winnipeg is definitely looking very shaky. Uh, Matt Nichols is definitely not uh, playing up to his potential. And it's starting to show like he just looked lost and just had an absolute stinker of a game against the the Riders. I I have to wonder, like, we we go to Winnipeg in a couple of weeks and are we going to face that same team? And if so, I, I think if you've got Pipkin and this current crew that we have now, if they're the ones that are going out to Winnipeg to play the Bombers... I, I don't think it's going to be so open and shut as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, As how, this game, how the game's going to turn out. I mean, if Montreal can pull out a win this Friday against BC and then somehow go into Winnipeg and win there, they are definitely 100% in a playoff position. And as long as uh, the other teams in the East don't add up, as long as they don't uh, get wins as well, I mean, it's... <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 like I said, this, this is not as open and shut as it was a month ago. No, a lot it, has changed.
2: No, but it's still a game-by-game game thing because if any – all fans remember, you go back a couple – you go back even last year, you know, the way how the team started off last year, uh, you know, they were in a position a couple of times to make that charge, to make that leap, to tie Toronto. I think – it was it last year? They're uh, Early in the season, they're at that point where they could – I think it was tied Toronto for second spot or for top spot or was it the year prior? Either way, it's been a long two long two and a half years. But they need they need to they need to win the games that they need to win because that's not what they've been able to do with the past couple of years. Absolutely. And in order, in order to stay in this playoff race in the East, they need to win these games when it is necessary. Mm-hmm. And and to me, this week this is one of those weeks.
0: Yeah. yeah. And again, we we know that Johnny or Johnny Manziel is. Probably not going to dress, or if he is, he's going to be very maybe third string at that. Yeah, you've got Antonio Pipkin. We know what he can do. We know what he's capable of, and I think that this team right now, the energy that's going on through this team, they believe in him. They want to play with him. I I said this before; they are willing to go to war with Antonio Pipkin. So I say, let them do it. And the fact that Manzel has been absent from uh, from practice. For you know, a supposed stomach flu. Listen, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But uh, at least now there's no pressure as far as we have to play Johnny Manziel because that that's our only hope. Like, no, we've got Antonio Pipkin. Yeah, we've got a quarterback that this team believes in, that is proven himself time and time again. As long as you you follow the fundamentals, as long as you keep doing what you've been doing the past few weeks. Again, this this is going to be a very competitive game as far as I'm concerned because yeah. BC is coming in hungry. They're too. Their backs are up against the wall as well. Right now, every game is going to become a must-win game. There's no more gimmies. They, you you can't have that anymore. There's no guarantees either. Like everybody thought that uh, playing Montreal is a guaranteed win for them. Not so. I, I think a lot of teams now are sitting up and taking notice and realizing that Montreal is not as wretched as they were. Yeah. Even just a few weeks ago. So, and and the plus thing
2: is, we're talking about this: if the Alouettes can can beat BC this week, um, they will be in a,
0: they will be in sole third place, unquestionably. And also, they will have had more wins this year than they did last year. That's,
2: that's true. And that that's another that's another hump to get over. Uh, also, the the big thing that does help the Alouettes this week too is look who Ottawa and Hamilton are playing this week. hmm That's a huge plus. That's a huge plus. On our end with. Uh, Calgary going into Hamilton and uh, and Ottawa traveling to Saskatchewan. So could be it. It's you know, as I said,
0: you,
2: you need to win the games that you need to win. So yeah,
0: there's no question. And again, um, I'm also not going to say that these are gimme games for. No, no by all means. No, for Calgary and Hamilton or for Calgary and Saskatchewan. But again, that definitely helps Montreal's cause. If somehow Montreal can win against B.C., and then Calgary and Saskatchewan are able to beat out the other two Eastern teams, that just helps the standings, that helps improve Alouette, the Alouette stock just a little bit more. And again, it's just still building that good momentum. It's still building that idea that, you know, this, this, this playoff race is far from over. There's still a lot of racetrack left. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all you need is just give them just a little bit of hope. And I think Montreal right now is in a great position to, they got to capitalize on that. There's no two ways about it. You've got a a good quarterback who's getting better with every game. Everything things are maybe starting to finally come together now. Maybe it just took a little longer than expected, but now it looks like there's that cohesion that I keep talking about. That chemistry that's finally starting to develop. Yeah, you, you heard Ryder talk about it. That the guys in the room believe in each other, and we. We often wonder as fans, like, is are they just saying that? Is that just towing the company line? But maybe they truly do believe it, and if that's the case, that's a good thing. That means that they really do care. They want to win, and they're going to do everything they can to win. That's what you want from your football team, folks. And believe me, the Montreal Alouettes, this season is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Not now.
2: So, uh, ladies and gents, we will leave you with that. Uh, Enjoy the game this week, everybody. Uh, don't forget the game does kick off at six o'clock. Over at Molson is the last Friday game. Last day for seven dollar beers. Um, what else? Uh, what else are they doing? Oh yes, yes. They they all they're also running this promotion too. Uh, I, I don't know. I know we wanted to t- should have talked about it a little bit more, but uh, there a dating promotion. I don't remember. I don't really understand. I, I get it, but I, I don't get it, and I, I'll leave it at that. Go, go go over to the Alowitz. Yeah. Go to the Alouettes website for more information on this on this other other thing that they're that they're running this week. So <laughs> yeah, and we'll just yeah we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So uh, once yeah. again, thanks to Ryder Stone for joining us on the on the uh, on the flight deck this week. Very much appreciated. Uh, if you do want to contact us, there are multiple ways on social media that you can do. So head over to our Facebook page. Head over to our Twitter account. Twitter is at Deck. Twitter, uh, sorry, Facebook is Alouette's Flight Deck, and there are multiple ways that you can listen to the entire archive of past shows for the Alouette's Flight Deck. The easiest way is to head over to Deck.ca, but you can also head over to iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach.